Thanks for joining us for this exciting episode of Movie Geeks United. We are taping this uh, 6 o'clock Eastern, Sunday night, Golden Globes night. The episode will air after the Golden Globes are done and gone. So i got to ask you guys, uh, for the benefit of those listening, what would you guys think of the ceremony? <laughs> oh, my God. Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Fallon is the worst. <laughs> um, I I was trying to explain that to my mom. There's I find him to be a phony of He is. Forces. I mean, you I, know, I I recognize that he, he's uh I think he's musically talented. Uh I think like uh-huh. he's a, a good singer and mimic and all that kind of stuff. But I don't find him funny at all. And yeah. I never I actually never did like even on when he was on Saturday Night Live like yeah, yeah. always felt like he ruined uh sketches by I, I, I think he's a guy you know. who has skated by. He's skated by somehow. He's managed to. I mean, I don't mean. I mean, look. I I like that he moved the Tonight Show. I thought that was great to move it back to New York. I thought, okay, that's, that's good. good. But I, I gotta say, I've watched some of his interviews and I've watched him, and I just think he's the worst. In I think I. I know, but yeah. I think I get it though. I think I I get the Tonight Show. It you know, even though Carson was not the original host, and I get people do like Leno. Leno and Fallon have decided to be the safe people in late night television. They're yeah. Never. I mean, and I get it. I get it. And, I, and a large part of the country responds to that. I understand. And, and I mean, the show is actually designed to be more popular on online as as uh, as as you know, cut up into clips yeah. rather than it, it, it is to be uh, on television, which is also a smart thing to do. But what it makes the show into is this sort of facile kind of, uh, I don't know, uh, childish uh, amalgamation of, I don't know, people people lip syncing and, and, you know, playing board games and stuff like that. And I'm just like, you know what? This is dumb. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 there is, you got to hand it to... Um, and I know a lot of people aren't happy. A lot of people don't watch the uh, Colbert's um, show, but I, I got to hand it to him. He is actually a very good interviewer. Um, a very good interviewer. Well, he has, mean, he has great he has great writing too. I mean, yes. his monologues oh, yeah. are really sharp. Yeah. Um, you know the, the he's the best out of the late nights. I mean, Carson and um, even Leno were comfortable presences. Yeah. But Fallon, he spends ninety percent of every interview fawning over the guest. So ninety percent of every interview is <laughs> that's what drives me nuts. <laughs> that's that's the weakness for me, the most biggest weakness. Big right. time. I I just watched Charlie Rose where he talks over everyone and, and he asks questions that last for a half an hour. <laughs> but I like I like that, and I I do I won't lie to you I li- I mean I don't like they talk you know, he talks over I mean that was always one of his big criticisms I mean I'll never forget when he first started on PBS there was a whole profile about him and like Mike Wallace would say I just wish he'd let someone talk for a change <laughs> mm, right <laughs> and that was like well the thing about Charlie the thing about Charlie Rose I watch Charlie Rose every night and um, you really won't see more informed, intelligent discussion on anything anywhere mm-hmm. else on TV I agree. Uh, on a nightly basis, like like you will on Charlie Rose. I mean, every topic. Um, 
So I, I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, so we. I I never watched Charlie show. Rose either. <laughs> I can't watch him. Can't watch it. <laughs> yeah, well, I like I, Graham I like Norton. Like Graham Norton's interesting. <laughs> yeah, but I he, like Graham. He's an entertainer. <laughs> I, I love I love Graham Norton too, but uh, I mean, you watch that for a different reason than you watch Charlie Rose. Yeah, you don't watch me, Charlie Rose to like. Let me just say though, you, you talked about an informed interviewer. Um, the other person that really comes to mind is Dick Cavett. Um, he was. Oh well, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, always. I mean, we've talked about him uh, before, but he was just. Um, and he, you know, he started. He started out as a writer on Carson's show, if I'm not mistaken, right? Wasn't he a um, writer for the Tonight Show yes. originally? Yeah. Yeah. And but he, but he was his interview. I mean, just go back. I love. I I won't lie to you. At work on my downtime, I will like watch um, like the YouTube clips of like Cavett and Carson and all the old and especially the Carson ones are fascinating because everyone is smoking and drinking back in like the 60s and 70s. You can get away with that. So that right there is a fascinating um artifact of that time. But Cavett really just got some great, great interviews out of people. Really, I mean, just amazing. Yeah. Well, it was a time. He'll always be the cop. <laughs> there are a lot of amazing people out there to talk yeah. to. Oh yeah, you know, and uh, and and interesting panels that he put together. Like, mm-hmm. you know, that was yeah. what was so special about his show. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, Golden Globes tonight is the is the narrative changing at all? Um, National Board of Review. I think they gave best picture their best picture to Moonlight, didn't they? Or did I think they yeah. Did Manchester. Yeah. No, they did uh, Manchester, and uh, they gave New York Williams, did. Didn't they? For supporting. I thought they gave Moonlight, and Casey Affleck got actor, though. I think. I think I'm not 100 percent positive. I can't remember now, but well, I, anyway, my point, my point was. My point was they they broke tradition this year by giving I think supporting to Michelle Williams instead of Viola Davis. That's they did do that. Uh, yeah. I I'm I'm gonna get crucified for saying this. I don't have a problem with that. Having seen both films, um, I, I think Michelle Williams actually gives a really great performance. I, I think the Viola Davis, who is, I think, the best part of Fences, don't get me wrong, but I had a hard time watching it, guys, after we had the whole conversation about the snot. Oh, yeah, the uh, snot. Oh, my thing. God, dude, I really, I, I, I almost had to leave because I was going to burst out laughing. I hate, I had to. I'm in a sold-out theater over Christmas break. I'm like, why do we have to have this did conversation? You, did you get it? Did, did you sense that the uh, audience was reacting to the snot at all? I don't think the, I, I got to be, guys, I got to be honest with you. Um, the movie left me cold. Mm. Um, is that a am, am, I, am I a bad person for saying that? I mean, it's it's a tough movie, uh, in in a way. I mean, like, uh, um, um, I watched a screener of it. Okay. So I watched it at home, uh, but uh, it it was. Uh, I think it would have been an easier movie if I had been, you know, in a theater, you know, uh, sort of captive. Uh, right, but uh, the first first hour of it is is uh, well, I mean, so of course since it's from a play, it's extremely talky. Yes, and most of the talking is being involved. done by Denzel Washington. So yes. let me let me say this: I like 
the play. I like the, I read the play in college actually, so I like the play. Um, and I that's my problem with the movie is it feels like I'm just for a good chunk of the movie watching basically a play that's being televised. Mm-hmm. And there are directors that are capable of elevating that. Um, but yeah. like, this is I think I need to bring talk about this. I like Denzel Washington. I think he's a fantastic actor. Um, I think his direct. I think this is the third film he's directed, and I just think as a director, he has a very flat, stale style. Mm, um, yeah, I yeah. really. I don't. I know people would disagree with me on that, but I really. I just felt like, and I also felt like. I mean, there are a lot of people, like, I think, if I'm not mistaken, didn't James Earl Jones play the part on stage originally? Yes, yeah. Yeah, and, okay. And, and, uh, Cor- and Courtney that. B. Vance was the son in it. Yeah. The son, James Earl Jones. Is, the son in this, is, I actually think, is very good. I think there was maybe another actor could have played this. I think maybe if Denzel was directing someone else I, instead of himself, I think there was another actor who could have played this part, because it does require an explosion at the end. That I don't well, think, I it, it was anticlimactic almost in this for me. Well, for me, I think that Denzel's strength is definitely as an actor, and when he comes to directing, he comes from an actor's point of view, which can be a good thing um, because the performances are important. But right. you have a pro- you have a problem with stage plays in that you know they're, they're stage plays; they're actors sitting in a single room and talking to one another, and a director. Um, that isn't incredibly imaginative just tries to find ways to okay let's move this conversation from the kitchen to the back porch mm-hmm. and right. maybe that change of location will give it some kind of feeling of energy and movement but I think he needed a director like Spike Lee uh, to right. do this with him because the performances would have been preserved and it would have had a cinematic feeling to it yes that's my thing. It just feels the movie to me just felt very flat. I mean, I, I couldn't. I think that I in the middle of it, it does uh, it does get a uh, quite a bit more cinematic. Uh, you know, like mm-hmm. around the hour fifteen mark. Right, right. right. Uh, it, it seems to switch switch gears quite a bit uh, because it's not uh, you know it's not stuck in that backyard. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, and by the way, I have to say I really liked. Um, no one's talking about uh, this guy, but uh, the guy playing his best friend, uh, no, he, Stephen. Oh, he's a good character actor. He's a great character yeah. actor. He's all Stephen good. Stephen Henderson. Mm-hmm. I think uh, so. I think. Yeah, he was he was very good. Um, I, I wanted to like it more. I, I was really because I had high hopes for it. Um, like I said, I like I like reading the play, the play in college. So um, I had high hopes, but you know, not everything can be a um, well, can, can, can be a, a great, winner to it, you. I it's, guess. A, it's a it's a great performance piece. I yeah. mean, those, those as, all, as the all, performances, all, yeah, they did very well. I thought, yeah, extremely well. I don't know. I uh, I, uh, I definitely think that Viola Davis is going to win. Oh, I think it's, it's her category. I mean, I do still. Yeah. I mean, I think. I think. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I don't, but I, I, you know, Michelle Williams. I also think her performance is actually quite good too. So that's a hard. But I do think when push comes to shove, I do think they're going to uh, Viola Davis is going to finally get her due. I guess. Um, yeah. 
Well, she got her star in the Walk of Fame. You know, they're doing something now. Maybe they've always done it. Maybe they've done it for years, but they live stream. Okay, Adam's on the phone. I see you. Uh, they live stream the Hollywood uh, handprints, the star, the star, Walk of Fame thing. They live stream it oh. now when somebody gets a new star. So Viola Davis got her star the other day, and then Jeff Bridges got his hands uh, in print uh, oh. today. Uh, and it's all paid for by the studios, and especially during Oscar time when they want some promotion. So when you see Jeff Bridges put his hands at the seabed, um, <laughs> Hell or High Water is all over the place right behind them. You know, it's like a big <laughs> promotional gig. <laughs> All right. Pick up Adam's line. Hi guys. Hey Adam. Hey, what's Hello. Up, everybody? <laughs> this is first time in a long time when we've all been together. It seems like one person is missing or something. It seems that's, like forever. That's true. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> yeah, Jerry, you've got to you've got to back out right now. Jerry, you've got to leave now since Adam's. I've got to leave. I, I've, I have to be abducted by aliens. So I mean. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Jerry's uh, going to clean his oven. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> so, Adam, uh, I hope, uh, today, yeah. tonight, we're going to be talking about December Blu-ray since we, you know, we kind of missed December in the rush of the holiday season and some time off. Yeah. Uh, so, making up for lost time. Yeah, they uh, there's all they 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 tried to cram them all in there, man. There was some pretty good stuff, although. December is usually a little soft um, in, in terms of releases, but there were there was some pretty stellar stuff. Still, I, I think October was the month to beat with everything. When you go back over the year, that was the, I couldn't even keep up with all of it that month. I I think, <laughs> but uh, but they're ramping up again. Um, you know, here and I guess you guys probably heard that uh, they're going to be doing the, uh, the the Pink Panther collection comes out on April 11th. From uh, they're doing a shout selects. You know, shout has their own Criterion type line right. now, and uh, they they've actually they've been ramping up production on some of those. And uh, I think they they have all the MGM stuff. So they're they're doing a, a big Pink Panther box. Although they are not putting in Curse of the Pink Panther and Son of the Pink Panther. I guess because Peter Sellers isn't in them. But, uh, was, you you saw you can see where I was going to take it because I was going to yeah. mention both of those. Yeah. Uh, now, when we do, because are we in, are they going to include the uh, Alan Arkin and the um, Steve Martin ones in this? Because they're not going to do that, are no. they? No, no, they're just sticking with the uh, the Peter Sellers stuff. But but the good thing and this is, includes uh, the uh, wait a minute. Let me ask this: Does yeah. this include Shot in the Dark? It does. It does. Yeah. It, it's and what 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 makes the set kind of interesting is that um, Return of the Pink Panther has was uh, actually issued by a different studio at the time of its release, and I think the rights were held by ITC Entertainment, which had been absorbed by several uh, several people have bought it in the years since. All the other titles are MGM titles. But somehow or another, they were able to get the rights back to Return of the Pink Panther, and it's going to be in there as well, which which would be nice. And that's so, a great. Uh, that's the one with Christopher Plummer, right? That's the one. Yeah, that yeah, has one of the greatest, tactic. the greatest Dreyfus Clouseau confrontation in the beginning in the office. One of the funniest. Yeah. Just I I don't I've never the two of them when Sellers and, and Herbert Lummer on screen, just some of the funniest back and forth. 
yeah. of, I, that yeah. I've ever seen. I just, I adore those. Uh, I mean, they're just so crazy. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited about it, actually. And the thing, they haven't really announced the extras on it, but, uh, you know, Shout is pretty well renowned for, for their, you know, real copious extras and bonus materials. So I bet they're going to really scrape the vaults. Uh, they're probably going to go go all out for this one. So um, scrape the what? So I'm scrape the vaults to get uh, all the, uh, the the bonus the material. The vaults. The vault. The V A U L T S. I thought he said scrape the balls, and I was like, what the hell kind of expression? No. That's uh, not that kind of movie. Right, thanks, guys. I'm in <laughs> you know, thanks, that's, you. Uh, thanks, that's Adam. The, that, that's the pink, the pink something else, dude. That's not the Pink that's, Panther. Yeah. <laughs> All right, worse than blue balls. But I mean, so, uh, but yeah, that was the big announcement this week. Actually, that was the big news in in terms of home video releases for for us, and of course. You know, I, I guess you guys have all seen the. You probably already talked about it. The uh, the the two big pieces of news that came out were Scorsese was lamenting the fact that film culture is over, and so did Ridley Scott. They both had separate. They both separately made that statement, and just. You know, well, I mean the the Martin Scorsese statement that that was from an uh, uh, was that from an article that was. I, I just remember reading this article like almost a month ago or something. So yeah, uh, I think so. But, yeah. Uh, but uh, so it's it's not quite you know n- new news, but um, but anyway, we've been saying that for years. <laughs> yeah. I guess he's just just waking up to it. But you know what? I'll tell you tell you the one thing. I think I've kind of made peace with it now. Um, and uh, one way that I kind of made peace with it is I said, well, I'm just not going to go see any of those multiplex movies anymore i just won't do it um i I don't have to um no one's making me go to see them uh i don't have to do it for any kind of sense of critical perspective or anything because Mm -hmm. really uh the fans themselves and the filmmakers themselves would say well we didn't really if they're not made for you and uh and they're made for us and and so, uh, and I'm not one of them. I'm not one of you. So, uh, if I'm not, if the movies aren't made for... Isn't it something that always happens? Isn't, like, every generation, the older generation, always says that their that their time is dead? I mean, yeah. it isn't exclusive <laughs> it's to this not period new. But let me, let me just, like, give some hope here. Um, I went, you know, there are... Three sold three very interesting movies this weekend. One very mainstream, one a Scorsese film that's not mainstream at all. Um, I, I don't even know if it would. I don't even know if it would. You know what the react, what the general reaction will be. Um, and another film that I, I thought was actually quite a minor little masterpiece. And I'll just leave it at that. But I liked all three of these films to varying degrees. Um, okay. My, um, uh, my least favorite being the Scorsese film, just because you talk about a hard film, that's a hard film. But as Okay, but what, what, how does this provide us with any hope? Well, because <laughs> you're, you're talking about your first film, I'd be... I saw at least 30 good films this year. At least. That's a good year. Okay. No, it's not. <laughs> okay, well, 
But I think <laughs> among, the, among the, the four of us, we probably see between three and four hundred films a year. Yeah, some I, good, I, some, I saw. Most are average. Most are average. Yeah. Some are dreadful, but we know. But sometimes the dreadful ones we know are going to be dreadful when we walk into them. We just sort of have that feeling. But hey, that's the price we pay for the our hobby, um, for our passion. We know. Hey, not all of them are going to be diamonds. Some of them are going to be um, pieces of shit. Um, but we know that. Sometimes we don't know they're going to be, and sometimes we don't know that they. Wow, this is really going to. This really changed um, how I think about movies. But I'm really getting sick of this thing. Oh, film culture is dead. Far from it. I'm it is guys. okay. Here's here's okay. Here, here's the problem. Okay, you've got all of these movies coming out. <clears throat> First of all, <clears throat> the good ones are hard to find. They're just hard to find. They're hard to find for the majority of people. They're hard to find at the theater. They'll never. They're not going to be. Uh, even if they're great, uh, they're never going to like change the culture in any way like they used to. Uh, and mm. right now, uh, people are just interested in remaining children for the rest of their lives. Well, I. I and uh, if you if you try and say anything negative about it, everybody goes, "Oh, well, you just don't like to have fun," and you know. Get off my lawn and all those jokes and everything. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You've just you've just confused two different memes. Um, you really, I mean, you put two memes into a, an equation art and really fucked up there. But let me let 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 me just say this though. I understand what you're saying. Look, we we could we could have easily had this conversation in 1990, and we did. We had this conversation in 1983. We had this conversation in 1980. It's not that different. I hate to break it to you guys. We're ha- and Jamie's right. The older generation always says this. And I always, I remember being able to go in 1990 to go to a uh, uh, to a multiplex, which is most movie theaters are multiplexes, right? Uh, and, and being able to go see a movie like I don't know, it's complicated, or uh, you know. Or, or, or you just that doesn't happen these days. Well, you know, I, uh, I, I find it, it hard to believe you're in a you're in an actual you're in a major metropolitan area. And yes, it happens. It happens around Christmas. And it happens. Okay. At all. You can go see. Yes. You can go to a major multiplex, and you can go see um, a, a smaller movie too. Not everywhere, mind you. No, no, not in Des Moines, probably. Not in uh, Boise. But you can go. Let me say something. You're saying those are the, the movies that they are not going to change the culture. Let me tell you something. When you have a movie in wide release like There Will Be Blood, probably the best movie of the century, no one went to go see it. Just remember That's that. what I'm saying. That's what no, I'm saying. No, what no, I'm no, saying no, is that no, – what no, I'm no, saying no. is that the, the, the hive no. mind has changed. The hive no, mind has changed. You see these movies in droves either back in the 60s or 70s. They re-regard them now, but at the time, how do I say this? It, it, I, I think there's a certain nostalgia that never might have existed, that we think existed back in the day, and it didn't. They weren't clamoring to go see Henry of a Portrait of a Serial Killer or Time Me Up, Time Me Down either when they were playing in lots of theaters. There's always going to be this very small intellectual 
film-going society. It's existed probably since, I guess, the height of the European um, cinema in the 50s and 60s, but I don't think it's as widespread as you think. In the middle, how do I say this? On the coast, yes. In the middle of the country, a lot of these films that we hold in high regard, especially the classics of the 70s, they not they didn't really catch on the way you think. Um, I know that's hard to understand because we think everyone's seen Taxi Driver or Serpico or Dog Day Afternoon, but the truth of the matter is, no, they haven't. They really haven't. So I think this thing... When I went to the movie theaters... Listen, hold on a minute. All right, I got it. Uh, when I went to the movie theaters uh, in the 70s and the 80s and in the 90s, and let me just talk about going to drive-ins. I used to go see, be able to go see movies like Rocky, but not just Rocky, things like Network and All the President's Men and... Uh, uh, um, uh, I remember seeing uh, the Black Stallion at a drive-in. Right. Oh, yeah. no, uh, no. These these are uh, these would never play at a drive-in now. Uh, well, you have to, uh, have but, to find a drive-in. That's that. Yeah, <laughs> like there's a drive there's a drive-in that's there's a, a drive-in in, in there's a drive-in in Atlanta and they would never play there. Right. Okay, no, I, uh, I it's a six-screen drive-in today, too. Today you have Jackie. Today you have Jackie and Manchester by the Sea and, and movies of that ilk playing at the multiplex. The thing is, I don't think – I do think to a large extent film culture is dead as we knew it. It's the, the culture mm-hmm. where, where people would sit and they would interact with the film and they would grapple with their feelings about the film and how it defined them, their own perspectives. I that think people I have do lazier. agree with. People have gotten that, people have gotten lazier. But great yeah, filmmaking no, I, is not dead. You can still no. find great filmmaking. There's there. there's yeah. always yeah. going to be great films. They're just going to be harder to find. That's my point. But, you know, I, That's I, a, it's not I, the biggest. It's not the big greatest. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, hardest thing to to grasp. They're going to be harder to find. You'll be able to find them, especially you know when they're a year old. Uh, they'll be a lot easier to find. I want to go back but, to what Jamie said. Jamie actually brings up the best point. It is that we, and it's not just movies, mind you. It is also the golden age of TV, too. We as a society, something happened. We did become lazy. We really do want to be spoon-fed the story. Because we want to stay children forever. That well, What, what, what happened is, what happened is the rise of the child as a force in in the culture. Well, that, that, that is true. I, that that happened I, in the it started happening in the late seventies, early eighties. Uh, paying attention more to children, but also paying attention to uh, to the child in the adult. You know, no, to sort of true. nurture I, the children in adults. Because uh, I want to go back to Jamie brings up a very good point, and it is we have – I just think, you know, God forbid if you if – you, if you, even if you go back to something like we were having this conversation the other day uh, with, my, with my mom about The Wizard of Oz, and 
you know, what I thought it, you know, the ending, because I was talking about the ending with someone else, and the, it just what I was explaining to them went right over their head. I mean, you would have thought I was talking about, um, you know, geometry or something, you know, on the way I was talking about the, you know, people don't, People don't believe there is a message, I've noticed lately, in any sort of art. They believe it is just what's there on the screen, that's it. They don't, there is no such thing as subtext. They don't even know what the word subtext means anymore. Um, right. I don't know if you guys have encountered this, but I've encountered this all over the place. Well, you know what, you know, and, and, it, and it extends to far beyond uh, film. I mean, it, yeah. it, extends to da- it extends to daily life. It, yeah. it extends to discerning discerning truth from uh, from fiction in yes. the news. I mean, everything. It, it, it infects everything. So, of course, yeah, it's going to infect mean, the way people watch and appreciate film. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the problem. It's, it, God forbid, if you, if you were talking, if you use the words like allegory or metaphor, people are just lost. They have no idea yeah. what you're talking about. It, it's, very, it's very frightening. This is not a new thing, but it does seem within the last decade because that part I do agree with. Well, the movies were the movies were dumb a lot. Uh, got dumb first. Let me put it that way. The movies, the movies helped. The dumbness of movies helped usher in the dumbness of the larger culture. I think. I, I think uh, because yeah. since real, they really started getting dumb. Let's face it, well, like in the in the mid '80s, like in the early to mid '80s. Well, you know that 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 is that is a real chicken and the egg uh, discussion. Uh, you know which came first. Uh huh. Uh, you know that's worth debating on another three-hour show. Yeah. Topic. Let's go back. Let's go back to the December releases. Yeah. Well, the, the, the reason that I brought like, this up. There, there was yeah. a reason why I was bringing this up because you know I was going to say that film culture is is dying. They're saying, but yet we're getting all these great catalog titles that are being issued on Blu-ray now because I think a lot of these smaller uh, boutique labels are mm-hmm. they're they're swooping in and grabbing what's available because the major studios don't care anymore. So it's right. actually advantageous to a certain degree to people like us. Or like myself. They're filling a niche. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. Because I'm a movie collector. I like to have everything in the highest quality available. And now I see all this preponderance of of, uh, titles that I never thought I would see uh, released on high-definition formats. Well, hey, Adam, let me say say this, and maybe maybe you can give your opinion on this, Adam, because you haven't Uh been able to talk enough. But this is one more point in this conversation. Uh-huh. Uh, the thing that the thing that worries me is we're saying, and it's pretty obvious that that society is becoming dumber. And I, I I think that it's a lot easier to go from reasonably intelligent to more intelligent than it is to go from dumb dumb to enlightened. Uh, so I I I only see it getting worse. I don't see necessarily how people will all of a sudden get smarter as a society. But then I see. I see stuff like, um, you know, because I'm a big vinyl collector. I see vinyl coming back, like physical media coming back, something that mm-hmm. isn't dis- disposable. Um, and I'm, is that like a, a sign of maybe people are going to start shifting towards something that, you know, they they curate, they 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 
they care they care about they physically hold in their hands and spend time with um you know there's hope for that i mean that's kind of flighty but but movements like this start in very small inconspicuous mm-hmm. ways yeah so who knows i would cla- I count that as a as a as a sign of hope yeah um the independent bookstores come back who would have ever thought that right Right. I mean, that's a huge, that's a huge thing. Not to not to sound like our president elect, but that's a huge thing. Um, and it's very, <laughs> I love physical media. I love to have like the the vinyl. I've never sold any of my records. I've never gotten rid of any of my DVDs, except for oh, not DVDs, except a couple of CDs I got rid of because I knew I was never going to listen to them ever again. But I've kept everything: books, CDs, VHS. I keep. I don't want to ever get rid of that stuff because I I saved up my money because I wanted that. I loved having yeah. like, my favorite maybe, movie maybe or my favorite book. Maybe it's a maybe it's a pendulum. Maybe this pendulum has just been so much slower. <laughs> maybe this pendulum has been forty years of the making before it goes yeah. back to the other. <laughs> uh, who knows? I you know. So let's let's sprinkle a Can little I, bit of optimism in this conversation. The thing it's that true, I yeah. love the most is your vinyl collection, Jamie. I love when you post those photos. I love that. I love it too. I can't I tell you how happy that makes me. <laughs> I can't tell you how happy that makes me, dude. Yeah, I mean, it's nice. Thank you, dude. It makes me happy too. All right, Adam. Yeah, I hey, agree. December I hope Blu-ray. So. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, I, like I said, I didn't Thank realize we would go down that till <laughs> break <laughs> off into that discussion. But I mean, it's a, it's. I, I was just basically saying that it's it's a it's it's sad that the studios don't care about their their history. But it's good for these right. boutique labels, and it's good for us, and that's the point I was getting at. And uh, yeah, so yeah. Well, having having said that, it is it is it's a weird area to be in, but I'm just going to take it and uh, be thankful for what what we're getting now, which there's some there's some really really good stuff. So anyway, and starting with that, the shout select line, as I mentioned, um, uh, on December 5th, they issued the Tammy show uh, paired with the Big T and T show, which is a pair of uh, rock concerts or pop music concerts, I should say, from the mid '60s, and it's much a who's who of um, uh, chart makers back then, uh, hit makers from the pop charts. Uh, in the Tammy Show, um, you had uh, Janet Dean and uh, Chuck Berry, Marvin Gaye, the Beach Boys, the Barbarians, Leslie Gore, the Rolling Stones, James Brown. Wow. And then in the big TNT show, you have uh, you've got Phil uh, Phil. It's uh, the whole thing is under the eye of uh, Phil Spector, and it uh, has um, I think he oversaw it. And uh, then it has Joan Baez, The Birds, Petula Clark, The Ronettes, uh, Ike wow. and Tina, and Ray Charles, to name a few. And these two are on the the same. Uh, they come together in the same collection, and uh, they've been. Uh, I think I don't even think the big TNT show was ever issued on DVD, but uh, thank goodness for Shout for putting these out because these are really mm-hmm. important concert films from the mid '60s. It, it, for anybody that has a real uh, curiosity about, yeah, pop man, music I, that bet, uh, I bet I uh, bet Phil Spector made a killing off that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that uh, that that's a pretty incredible set. I'll have to admit. So we'll yeah. we'll start off with with the good, and uh, <clears throat> move along. Uh, Go to the bad. Nineteen seventy. 
Yeah. <laughs> Going to the bathroom. Well, not necessarily. This is a good one. Howard's End. I know Dean said he recently uh, saw uh, uh, this on the big screen, I believe, again. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, it was uh, brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. I think Beautiful. It's, yeah, it's a new transfer, and a smaller label called Cohen Media has issued this. Uh-huh. Um so uh, for anybody who wants to revisit Howard's End, I think this is probably a, a good opportunity right, to do no, so. No. Yeah. And the 1972 film Doom Watch, which I've never seen, it was based on a TV series that was popular in Britain, and this is kind of kind of like they used to do with some of our stuff when they would make a feature film out of a TV series, and I think that's what this is. Uh, uh, but I've it's like a couple of episodes stuck together. I think it's actually a, a separate film that they shot using the same cast, but uh oh, okay. but it is yeah, it's it's a standalone film I do believe. But uh but anyway, Doom Watch and it sounds like a horror film but it's not. It's more of a I think it's more of a sci fi uh actually a who done it type thing. Thriller mystery they're labeling it, so but uh Kino put that out and I I've heard good things about that. Uh and anybody that's hey, by seen the way the, I I, yep. I saw a movie from 1972 just today. Uh, tomorrow, the uh, movie with Robert Duvall oh. that Horton Foote wrote the screenplay for. Uh, oh, what a great movie! You know what? <clears throat> that that fucking movie is Sling Blade. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, except it has the female character in it, which is so you know, Sling Blade. quite different. Didn't it? Didn't, well, didn't Sling Blade have the uh, the wife of Dwight Yoakam or something? Well, yeah, but like this girl. this woman this woman is pregnant and he's kind of taking care of her and he falls in love with her. Uh, so that yeah, that's a little like different. Than, I mean, come on. Dude. Yeah. Oh yeah. He does. He does have like a. He does do a voice like that. Yeah, for sure. But he's not the. Uh, but you know, I mean, it's not quite. That's like, like what, that's like when Trump, uh, when Trump's uh, slogan for his campaign was "Make America Great Again," and uh, somebody said, "Well, that was Reagan's slogan too," and and Trump said, "No, no, no, it wasn't. Reagan's slogan was let's make America great again.' And that's totally different. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. what we're dealing with. That's what we're dealing with, guys, for the next four years. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yep. God. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Yeah. Oh man. That's a nice well, uh, way to put it. Isle of Films issued the uh, Brazil, not the uh, 1985 Brazil, the 1944 version of Brazil. This one with Virginia Bruce and Edward Everett Horton. It's a musical mm. comedy. Okay. Uh, I, uh, but uh, for anybody who's interested in that, um, we have and uh, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer has been issued. There we go. Thirtieth. 30th anniversary edition. Can you believe it? I feel Star old. Sky I film. feel old. <laughs> I feel so old. Yeah. Jesus. Jesus. Hey, Adam. Is uh, yeah. he reported a serial killer? Is, is that a 4K restoration? <laughs> I do think it is, actually. <laughs> oh, I really think it is. It, it is a, uh, I'm trying to find the specs, but, um, yeah, it's it's a new transfer for sure. And uh, they've yeah. got a whole boatload of supplements here. So it's a big, it's a pretty big deal. That's so I, a I think good, 
It's a great movie. I mean, I don't know if great's the right word. I think it is John McNaughton's masterpiece, so I really do think yeah. that's like But it's not a it's I not a movie VHS that you still. it's I mean, not a movie that you want to look at and 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 think it was shot on seventy millimeter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. It's well, better uh, if it's scuzzy look scuzzier yeah. looking. Yeah. Well, I think Dean and I had this conversation off there a couple of weeks ago, didn't we, I believe, about transfers and stuff, because we were talking about uh, the art of you know, Blu-ray transfers, and there is a certain art to it. If they get it exactly right and leave enough grain in the film, it can – the 4K transfers can actually do – you know, they can service the film pretty well, I think. Uh, the trouble is when they turn up the video noise reduction so high that they that they're just absolutely – flawless and and that's when you get into trouble i think some of the, a lot of the earlier titles they were trying to find their way when they were issuing a lot of these titles on blu-ray and the earlier stuff like the thing is a good example when universal put that out it was it was it was just too clean it was too clean too perfect and then when shout redid it back in the fall of last year they uh were able to retain enough of the grain to make it look like a real thing right. you know they were careful right. about that you so, know uh, I mean, and they and they did it right with McCabe and Mrs. Miller too. I thought that was a beautiful transfer, yes. and I was worried about that. But something like yeah. Seven, I have never seen Seven look as good as, which means look as you know urinated upon. Uh, uh, you know, there's something special about the look of Seven, where the actual yeah. print looks stained in a way, like tobacco stained or something. I've never seen True. it look yeah. like that in any of the home home transfers. None, none, none at all. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's it's there's a certain art to to doing that, and and I, they're getting better at it, I believe. But but uh, it's 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 very tricky, and and like you said, some of the films do actually look better in their beat up um, versions. <laughs> I guess it's less than stellar. I mean, there's there's I watched a um, a couple of years ago uh, a transfer of My Fair Lady, which had a new restoration. And yeah. uh, I mean that was like a revelation. You could see the fibers in the fabric of the costumes. I mean it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's I think this stuff's only going to get even better with the 4K uh, now that they're bringing you know the actual uh, ultra HD uh, DVDs that are coming out now. They're they're pretty stunning from what I've been told. Here's the bad thing though. Here's what, leave it to me to always come up with a negative. <laughs> What's happening is that things are things are getting so clear now that we're seeing things that weren't intended to be seen. That's true. Like for for instance, you know, like now <clears throat> uh with Lawrence of Arabia, which was previously like one of the movies that's like unassailable in in a technical sense, but now the <clears throat> the four K restoration of that has come out and you're able to see things like uh the uh the cheesecloth in the wigs and <laughs> and uh <clears throat> you're seeing you're seeing you're noticing that in one shot uh Peter O'Toole has sweat on his brow and in the next shot he doesn't <laughs> uh and things like that or with here's the even worse uh thing with 2001 a space odyssey now it's become so clear that now uh in the uh, Dawn of Man sequence 
you can see uh, the strips of highly reflective 3M mm-hmm. material that's on the backdrop that they're projecting that back that you know those photographs of the uh, you know African wil- uh, wilderness or whatever. They're projected, you know, they didn't do it on location. They're just photos that are projected onto this uh, highly reflective 3M material. Well, previously you couldn't, you know, it, the uh, the effect was great. Uh, I mean, it worked just like they wanted it to. But now with uh, the digital restoration, you can actually see the strips, like the square strips that are really put on very willy-nilly onto mm. the Onto the, you can see it, just, it looks like a patchwork that's going on back there. <laughs> okay. uh, yeah. um, so these are things like, or <clears throat> I remember the first time. It's interesting that you mentioned Sling Blade because Sling Blade was the first movie that I <clears throat> I ever watched uh, on uh, high definition, and I rem- remember thinking, "Wow, you can actually see like when there's light coming in." You know, they've got a spotlight, you know, and the light coming from the spotlight. You can actually kind of see where the light is. Like, you know, you can see it coming in like a spotlight, which is previously, uh, it, 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 you know, the film quality sort of like masked all of that. Like, it made the light look more natural. And now it just looks like light coming from a spotlight. You know, so it's like, it's a very different sort of... It looks like you're watching it on stage or something, uh, and uh, so you know, I'm I'm <clears throat> I'm not quite exactly sure what is the intent here <clears throat> of wanting things to be so clear uh, all of the time. Like, is the intent to like make us feel like we're actually there? Uh, why? Why do we want that? Restoration, like when you, when I mentioned My Fair Lady, My Fair Lady is of a different ilk because it's one of the films that was restored by this, I forget his name, he's a famous yeah. restorationist. Robert uh, Brown he, or whatever his name Harris. is. Yes, Robert, Robert Harris. Harris. He, spends, Harris. he spends years on these projects, so he knows how to calibrate certain things. He, he knows director intent. But when you're dealing on a mass scale, releasing new transfers of shit all the time, like all these boutiques do, uh, it's a different ball game. They're just kind of indiscriminate in, in what they clean up, you know. Uh, it takes a different thought process to do it right. Uh huh. But but that thought pro- that's not necessarily happening. You know, as hey, that's you, as better you than when out. I saw Elizabeth the Golden Age in theaters. Yeah. But I mean, but what is the point, really? Though, what what is the point of all of this? What is the point of making things clearer and 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 pop out uh, more? Like, I, I I don't get it. Like, what's the ultimate goal? Like, okay, so we got 4K. So eventually, there's going to be 8K, 16K, 32K. Right. When is it going to end? Is, the point is, uh, things evolve. That, that's what life is about. So the the new generation are going to have to take that into consideration, and, and it's going to alter how how cinematography is done. But in terms of the old movies, the point is if something's 50 years old and it's gathered 50 years of debris and all that shit on it, 
many times for every example that you just mentioned of times when it didn't work, the artistry is actually enhanced when you clean it up mm. because you could see details and loving details mm-hmm. uh, in the frame that you weren't able to see before because that, of degradation. I, I agree with that. Um, yeah. Um, so it's a double-edged. It's a double-edged sword, you know. Well, everything is good with bad. You know. <laughs> yeah, that's it true. Is. My li- my life is a double-edged sword, but um, I, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, it's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to keep us off topic here, but I remember Jamie was on, obviously with Jamie and, and Chris were on the show. I went to go see Elizabeth the Golden Age in a the theater. Remember that the sequel to Elizabeth? Is, or, or maybe yeah, you don't yeah. remember it. Yeah. And I I remember watching it, and they they. They screwed the framing of the presentation up in the theater because you could see the cameramen right. and everyone. It was hilarious. The I boom was, mic. You, yeah. yeah, I mean, you could see everything. It was. I, I just couldn't. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. And they went and fixed it. But I'm like, yeah. I wanted to say, I can I have my money back because the magic of the movie has been taken away from me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you don't get that magic, you know, exactly which, right. Did, did, did you guys? Did you guys watch that Debbie Reynolds documentary on HBO last oh, night? Oh yeah. They were supposed to yeah. they're supposed to air it in March, but they pushed it up two months because they both died and it's about right, Debbie right. Reynolds and her daughter Carrie Fisher and their relationship and it's really beautiful and it's particularly mm-hmm. bittersweet knowing that they're both oh, God, gone yeah. now. But her big campaign, Debbie Reynolds, was the memorabilia. Uh and which she she spent fortunes collecting the memorabilia right. from old movies. Props and costumes and etc. Uh, she couldn't get anybody to to put it in a museum. Nobody wanted. Yeah, I, would, uh, I wanted so, to talk to. So I wanted to bring them up. She she's in her she's in her house, in her living room on her mantle, are the ruby red slippers from the Wizard of yeah. Oz. They're in her living room. She wanted them in a museum. She wanted all that yeah. stuff in a museum. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to bring it up because you know we were talking about all the the, the stuff you know, the studios don't want what they have. And it just and I wanted to bring up that example from the documentary last night. I mean, they don't even have a museum for this stuff in, of all places, Hollywood. I mean, it just shows you. Well, the, the, acad- the academy's case. changed. The, the academy museum should open soon, right? Right. Yeah. Think, right. Uh, They're working on and, that. But still, I mean, it just yeah. these guys don't know what they have. One of the greatest things right. in the world. All these props, and they don't care about their history at all. I, I mean, agree. Well, they don't even yeah. care about the films. So uh, that's what I mean, why would they care about the memorabilia? You <laughs> the, the catalog, you have, you know, your MGM, you have this awesome, I mean, one of the most beautiful <laughs> film catalogs there is, and oh, we don't, they don't care. care. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean. What okay, so let me just bring this back to the the art, uh, the thing that we were talking about earlier about oh, nothing's changed. They were making bad things. It's still a good thing. There's still a cinema culture. Here we are talking about this. They don't care about the movies. They don't care about the uh, the memorabilia. Uh, look, 30 years ago, uh, I remember uh, people totally caring about memorabilia like this. People totally caring about movies from the 40s and the 50s. They totally cared about that stuff. It played on. They played on television. People watched them. Uh, they played on, you know, WOR and WGN. They played on WTBS. Yeah, they played on TNT. They played on. We're not talking. We're not talking about a time when there wasn't a thousand channels. I mean, so people cared about what well, was on TV. It doesn't matter what the reason is. The fact, the fact of the matter is, it's not like that anymore. It's not like that anymore. We don't care about the past. 
Uh, and I mean that's part of the uh, the argument that cinema is dead. We're not just talking about uh, <clears throat> we're not just talking about what's being released that week at the multiplex. No, no, we're no, talking no. about the valuation of the past of things but from the past. We are talking about that because we're talking about the stu- we're actually talking about the studios themselves. Even back in when Debbie Reynolds was talking about well, the this, studios don't care because they can't make any money off of it. Why? Well, because no, the, the people don't care. Yeah, but no, the studios have been like this. I mean, we can go back to studio heads and Gulf West, you know, the Gulf West owned Paramount and everything. Unless you had savvy, you know, people that really cared about film, you know, you always you had these heads that, got, that were at the end of the day just CEOs. They didn't really care about what they had, so. Well, we are. It's, there has been this ambivalence, and that's a very kind word for it, that has existed at well, the very top of the food chain. Yeah, but but I mean, it's it it was different in old Hollywood when you had mm-hmm. people like Jack Warner and studio heads that actually knew movies. Old, very uh, old. Hollywood, I mean, I mean, though. that's changed. But I don't think their uh, appreciation of memorabilia or even their appreciation of uh, preserving film prints were. That stellar back then either. Yeah, I, I don't mean. think they that's, knew what to I do with them. You know, uh, I I don't think that it was like, oh God, we got to put this in a salt mine and care for it so adoringly. I, I don't think that attitude was around back then. No, no, right. I don't. I don't think it's ever really been like that. Um, okay. Yeah. Adam? Okay, I can go with that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. The idea of film restoration wasn't wasn't a big thing, but uh, um, I I could go with that. Okay. That's improved. <laughs> well, back on track. Uh, how about Bernardo Bertolucci's uh, Luna from 1979? Anybody have oh, any God. opinions on that one? <laughs> <laughs> that's that, a tough a movie rape, to get through. Is there a rape controversy with that? Uh, incest. It's an incest, incest. film. Yeah, Mo- mother, it's, mother and son incest. Oh my God, and Bernardo and, 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 and Fred Gwynn Her- is, is a co-star. <laughs> right, and uh, heroin use. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah. That too. You know, it really, it really, uh, it really showed uh, why she was an unmarried woman. I mean, she, you know, she slept with her son. So it's hard to get over but, that. By by the way, it's I think that's the movie that killed uh, Jill Clayburgh's career too. Uh, I mean, re- really, after that, it was like because what was that like eighty two or something? That was after seventy nine, seventy nine, seventy nine. Okay, well, she still had uh, she still had starting over in that same yeah, year, but yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a classic. I mean, oh, I think it's it was the next stuff. film I think that Berlucci did after nineteen hundred, I believe. Uh huh. Next yeah. one, and uh, so and neither one of those went over very well uh, at the time. You know where I saw it, uh, I saw Luna on YouTube. The whole thing's on YouTube. I think, mm. At least oh, when God, I saw I'm it, I'm gonna have to look for this. I'm gonna watch this at work. And um. it, it wasn't. Uh, it's not good. I mean, it's it's not uh, it's not good. And and you can no. tell he's trying to reach for the next kind of pushing the button sexual kind of odyssey post last tango. But uh, yep. he didn't get it. Yep. Yeah, he's kind of grasping for straws with that one, I believe. Um, but uh, but that was, uh, if anybody's interested, <coughs> Kino has issued it with some, uh, there's actually a 42-minute interview with Bertolucci on the disc 
about it. So he he's not oh, afraid to wow. talk about it. Obviously, I'd be interested in that. Yeah. So uh, think of commentary as well. But uh, anyway, I'm looking. So, I'm looking at uh, Joe Clayberg's career after yeah. after Luna, and I'm like, it wasn't so great. It's well, my turn. <laughs> yeah. It, it's my turn, first Monday in October. Hey, well, first Monday in October was heavily advertised on TV, okay? <laughs> uh, I'm well, dancing as fast as I can. I heard that uh, Bertolucci, uh, Bertolucci refused to tell Joe Clayberg any scene that she was about to shoot in Luna. <laughs> 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 the, whole, the whole movie. She, yeah, uh, Clayberg, oh. still alive? Still alive? <laughs> No, she she died. Uh, she died. You know, just say uh, we, we have to get her for an interview. But I do remember thinking that she had died. But I mean, if we can get yeah, her for an interview, yeah, she passed away was, a few years ago. We should have gotten her for a goddamn interview. I mean, talk about Luna. Just a whole episode devoted to Luna. Yeah, yeah she, she uh, actually she's in Bridesmaids. You know, she plays uh, Kristen Wiig's yeah. mother, and uh, she That's was right. dead when that came out. She 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 had already been passed. She had passed away six months before that was released. So. Right. Uh, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, so that was a posthumous, posthumous thing. So uh, That's too bad anyway, her career really, uh, you know, after Unmarried Woman and starting over, it it should have it should have uh, gone into the stratosphere, but it didn't. I know. I love both of those. Agreed. Uh, all the films has released uh, Cheers for Miss Bishop, which is uh, from 1940, and it's with Martha Scott, and it's kind of similar uh, to... Um, Goodbye, Mr. Kipps. It's about the school teacher who had the unfulfilled life, and she's looking back over it, and it's kind of it's so-so, and kind of pales in comparison to uh, Goodbye, Mr. Chips from the previous year. But but anyway, it's out there. They issued that one, and uh, how about um, the Exterminating Angel, the Louis Boonewall, uh Criterion yeah. has issued that about the dinner party guests who can't leave. Did and, you watch it? Yeah, I did. It's a good transfer. It looks good. It's a good uh, two, uh, 2008 documentary on Boomwall's career. So it's it's. Uh, I'd recommend it if you're a fan of oh, this, I definitely, the film. Oh, I definitely definitely pick that up. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's. That's it's a good it's film. a great movie too. It's just so it is, I it think is. I think the movie is so funny. Yeah, it is. It is funny and very, weird. Very sly. The humor is very mm-hmm. sly. You, <laughs> but oh uh, yeah, and his humor it, was. I mean, you know, right at the beginning, that you're in odd territory when the uh, the people hosting the party have grizzly bears in the house and, yep. and, and things. <laughs> yeah, sheep under the table and stuff. Yeah, yeah it's weird. Yeah, you know, you're in Boomwall territory. Uh, so uh, you were asking, I think, last month about you guys asked about the new Phantasm remastered. Well, it's out there. Right. Uh, they okay that will go USA. Uh, along with Phantasm Ravager on the same day they issued both of those. And uh I tried to watch the the new newest Phantasm and I I couldn't get more than twenty minutes into it. That doesn't that bad, surprise huh? me. I'm not a big Phantasm yeah. fan as it is, so I I, I love care. the first movie. The first well, the movie. First I really don't think they needed one. to yeah. The second one just grossed me out so much. I remember watching it like late at night, like two in the morning with my dad. And I was just like, you know, this is some really sick shit. I mean, you know, that was a freshman in college watching that. Yeah, that was just, oh, God. Yeah. I remember I remember review, having to review it and uh, being a fan of the first Phantasm. I was like, mm-hmm. 
boy, this one just really just. The first one has sort of an internal logic about it that I think works, yeah. but they just tried to like totally confuse you and throw a lot of nonsense into the second one, and okay. uh, I was like, boy, this just doesn't make any sense at all now. Yep. So, uh, uh, but uh, and so I I, so I kind of tuned out on the rest of it, yeah. but. Uh, well, uh, speaking speaking yeah. of sequels and such, here's one to talk about. How about Porky's Two and Porky's Revenge? They've been issued as a two for one feature by Kino. So, <laughs> no way. I can, yeah. I can't even muster it. You know what? I just you know like I, yeah. I remember watching Porky's the first Porky's. I remember yeah. that scene. <clears throat> I remember a scene in the movie <clears throat> where. Uh, I don't. There's something going on with that, uh, with one of the police characters or something like that, and and everybody around him is sort of laughing at at him or something. And there's just a there's a big scene of like of everybody on the screen kind of laughing at something. Yeah. And that's. Do you kind of remember this? And I remember vaguely, sitting there watching it. Vaguely, vaguely remember, and I, I haven't yeah. seen it in like thirty years, Dean. I mean, so. yeah, it's a bad movie. But uh, and I remember sitting in the theater, and everybody in the theater was laughing because everybody on screen was laughing, and there's just something intrinsically <laughs> funny about that. And I said, No, there isn't. There's nothing funny about this at all. But there's nothing funny about this entire movie. Uh, but it became a hit anyway, and uh, oh, yeah, I didn't watch any of the other two. I just thought. Also, well, like Porky's is supposed to be like a movie that's set in the what? It's supposed to be set in like early sixties, right? I think. 50s, I think. Uh, forgive like, me. I don't. I don't late remember. 50s. It's late fifties. Late fifties, yeah. right? Yeah. And they never bothered to really put very much effort into creating the fifties, recreating the fifties. Uh, so I always felt like yeah. that was kind of I a mean, gip, too. I mean, Porky's, Porky's is not an artistic achievement. I mean, we, no. we will not argue with you on that point. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, I, no. I'm really, we've given so much time to Porky's in, in this show right now. I'm like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> it, heralded, it, it did herald in the, you know, the 80s sex comedy, though, didn't it? I mean, really. Yeah. Yeah. I like when some 80s like, sex like, comedies. <laughs> like hard bodies and the the school, uh-huh. uh, school or whatever. Yeah, some of those are fun. Yeah. Spring break. Exactly. I discovered masturbation on those movies. I I have no qualms. <laughs> some of those movies are fun. Though. Yeah, Spring Break. That was a good one. Yeah. I remember one called Weekend Pass. You remember oh, that? God. God, yeah. Oh my God. That was pretty bad. Yeah. I remember one called Tomboy. Uh, oh, that was. Think, oh, oh, God. All right. Can we have. Um, I bet I remember both these movies. I should be taking that in shot, but okay. <laughs> Tomboy was kind of a flash dance kind of ripoff. Uh, right. um, and. Uh, oh, God. A Heavenly Bodies. I remember that one. Yes. That was yeah, a good one. Heavenly <laughs> yeah, bodies yeah. was that was the uh, that was the um, the the jazzercise movie or whatever it was. Oh, oh my god! It uh, was Adam. What's next, Adam? <laughs> By the way, I'm sorry, Adam. Well, uh, I, I was uh, I was looking for soundtracks the other day. 
in the store, and I happened upon Still Sealed, the soundtrack to Perfect. And I was like, oh, God. Wow. even I can't pick up that one. You know, it was like, uh, no. It's no, you didn't get it? For me. <laughs> no, I, was, I was like, never has a movie been so inappropriately named uh, than that one. <laughs> that movie's bad. All right, what's next? Is Adam still with us? Is Adam hanging on? I don't know. Let me check. Let me check the switchboard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he had to. He had to call back in. Hang on. I'm telling you. I'm here. Okay. I don't know what Sorry, happened. Man. Okay. Sorry. We brought up perfect. Yeah. I was just going to make a point about Porky's, though, because it's funny. Uh, you know, I remember I did see it, uh, uh, Porky's Revenge, the last one. And by that time, you know, these, those actors were in their uh, early 30s. And their right. Receding hairline, yeah, their receding hairlines were starting to show, and they are playing the teenagers. Oh, yeah. Like that main guy that plays, like, you know, the, the little shrimpy dude? Yep, yep. <laughs> Oh god, he was bad. He looked he looked way old. I'm watching the red carpet arrivals for the Golden Globes, and uh, they have Al, Al Roker is one of them doing the red carpet, and the other one is uh, the other reporter doing the interviews is George Bush's daughter, Jenna Bush. Oh. I think. Oh right. I think that's her. Wow. She's interviewing Nicole Kidman right now. God, Nicole Kidman is so stunning. Jesus. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Uh, well, the 1973 science fiction film, The Neptune Factor, with Walter Pigeon and uh, Ben Gazzara, and directed by Daniel Petrie. I, I know this movie. Okay. Yeah, it's got a score yeah. by Lalo Schifrin too. So uh, everyone needs anyway. Work. Anybody who's a fan of that one, or you know, who's been clamoring for the release of it, uh, something for everyone from 1970. This has Angela Lansbury, Michael York, and. Uh, it's a, a black comedy, um, crime drama. It's labeled, but uh, I'm not really all that familiar with it. But it has a huge cult following among, especially amongst gay men. Uh, I, I, like a one of those first comedies to actually even have a gay man being portrayed in it. I think Michael York yeah. plays plays so. Um, it, uh, it ha- are you still talking about the Neptune Factor or something else? No, no. Something for everyone. Something for everyone. From Stop watching uh, television. What about uh, <laughs> Jeff Murphy's uh, 1985 film, The Quiet Earth, which is one of the great post-apocalyptic films. It's not not worshipped enough, but it's a very good movie. Very good. I mean, yeah, film- God, it's- Film Good Movement movie. has issued that one uh, on Blu-ray, so thankfully that one uh, saw the light of day. Yeah, I do agree. That's a that's a good one. Um, that's New so, Zealand, uh, right? That's from New Zealand. Right, it, it is. Yeah, yeah. New yeah. Zealand. Mm-hmm. And then we have uh, uh, Fellini's Roma from 1972. Oh. It's another Criterion. Uh, so the Jess Franco film uh, Night Has a Thousand Desires um, from 1984. Uh, for you Francoites, <laughs> yeah, you know who you are. Yeah, you know who you are. This is true. And you I'm know out. you should be getting some kind of mental help for your affliction. <laughs> See, now that's a great line. That's, that's, <laughs> you, 
But it's kind of surprising that Nicholas Nickleby, the Doug McGrath version, didn't you know get a bigger release because he was you know he had a pretty big success with Emma, and uh, of course he you know collaborated with Woody Allen on Bullets Over Broadway. So right, right, yeah. No, no, surprised, right. surprised. Uh, and speaking of Woody Allen, um, one of his films also from Twilight Time, Nicholas Nickleby's Twilight Time release, and so is Stardust Memories, which. I think is one of his underrated films. Uh, I love Stardust Memory. You know, the, the, the critical grows. the critical reassessment of that has has really taken place yeah. in the past few years because that was terribly panned. Oh yeah, yeah. Reviled at the time of its release. Let me. It just felt like this for a long time. One of my favorite Woody Allen movies is Hannah and Her Sisters. Um, I'd have, but then I guess over the last like. 15 years, Stardust Memories is itching up there. I love Stardust Memories. I, I really, I really just love Stardust Memories. I quote from it a lot. I, mean, I just love it. It's it's one of my top five opening scenes of any film, the opening scene mm-hmm. from that film. I mean, I just adore the way it opens with him on the train, and he's, yeah. you know, it's all in silence, and he's motioning to the conductor it's, that he's on the wrong train. He should be on the other train with the happy people, and it's it's just it's brilliant. And at the I same at the, the same opening. at the same time, at the same time, it's an homage to. I mean, even the, well, the movie's an homage to Eight and a Half, but especially of the course. opening sequence. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it is. It's just brilliantly done, and and you've got. Uh, I, it's funny. I was reading, and you can read the uh, the, the essay that comes with the, um, the 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 Blu-ray. And so I was reading the essay written by the great Julie Kurgo, who does all the uh, essays for uh, Twilight Times products. She does such a great job with their stuff. If you get their releases, it's almost worth it for her. Very insightful essays. And so uh, she said that uh, made mention that, that when they were casting the film, that sometimes. Uh, when Woody would look at the uh, the people people that um, his casting director would bring in for those faces, because the movie mm. is populated with some of the most ugly faces <laughs> that you've ever seen in a film on purpose, and that's one of the reasons I think why the critics really were angry because they they were saying that this is the way he sees his fans, you know, is they're all ugly, crazy people. And But they said that when he was casting these people, he would actually bite his lip to keep from looking, to keep from laughing at some of these people. Uh, when, they were, when they were actually having them come in and try out for the parts because they were so unique looking, he was trying to be polite but, but was stifling his laughter. <laughs> I thought that was funny. But uh, but anyway, uh, so another Twilight Time release is The Three Worlds of Gulliver, which is uh, one of the classic Ray Harryhausen films, of course. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow, that's uh, the one I haven't ever seen. It's good, yeah. It's it's uh, Kerwin Matthews, of course, and Nathan Duran directed, the, you know, they both were the uh, star and director of Seventh Voyage of Sinbad. So they were uh-huh. teamed for oh, this one two one. years later. Yeah. So yeah, Three Worlds of Gulliver's good. Uh, if you're a Harryhausen fan, I'd recommend that for sure. Um, also, the Asphalt Jungle from Criterion. Um, you know, I thought you said that's always for a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what? I mean, you know, it's a classic. Uh, no, it's a great contest, film. I thought you said the Ass Hat Jungle, though. I didn't think that. <laughs> the Ass Hat Jungle. Don't know that <laughs> no, one. That's a good one, too. That's about my work. Uh, never mind. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but no, um, the Barefoot Contessa. This is the mm-hmm. Joseph Mankiewicz uh, film with Ava Gardner. and It's half a good movie, I'd say. It meanders a little bit too long. 
but there's some some of the bitter Joseph Mankiewicz dialogue that you get from you know that that he has and that he's atypical of his stuff that you would you know the same kind of great Can sparkling dialogue dumb, that was found all about Eve and, yeah. Is so, Ben you know, his grandson? Is Ben Mankiewicz the grandson? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I yeah. think his guts. Okay, I just want to share that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, what, why so? I mean, what do? Why do you? I, you know, I I don't find him very appealing myself as a no, as a host. I just wish he'd shut up because he gives that thing at the end. You know, when the movie's done, and you know, I always want to say like, you know, what obviously like the queen must say about her children. Um, you got your job through relatives, you know, and I mean, just just, just shut up. I mean, I just want to well, what does he do? I mean, like, really? I, I just I just want to I want to beat the shit out of him. He, oh, really? He, he you does, just don't like. Just, I just I just he, he does, does exactly what Robert Osborne did on TCM. I, I mean, I I, 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 interv- I interviewed him, and uh, I had a I had a big disagreement with him during the interview that we did because I thought he was hmm. dead wrong about something. But he came on oh, okay. to talk uh, about the old. Uh, the restoration of the old Dracula. Well, we did talk a little bit about his grandfather. I mean, his his whole heritage is interesting. His, his, no, his uh, heritage is great. His, I just don't. His don't father think. was like a a senator or something or um, something like that. Anyway, a, a very accomplished yeah. family. No, no, I just didn't like. You know, I just when I see Ben Mankiewicz, I just always like you got your job through relatives. Um, but I'm sorry. I, I, didn't even uh, I mean, so you're mad that he got the job, the relatives, the, his job through relatives. But also, there's like a punch, punch worthy thing to his face or something. Is that what you're saying? I think, like, Dean, I, Dean, I think you're giving, giving what I said too much thought, which I, I'm flattered. But okay. um, <laughs> no, I'm just curious. I know. No, no, I, 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 I'm just curious. I, I just haven't I, I haven't heard exactly like. I think the three of you could do just as good a job as him talking about. Oh, movies. okay. I, just, I, I really do. Yeah. I don't. I don't really think he adds anything. Um, that's just me. I think he has. I think he has too a little bit too much of a smarmy attitude that isn't as informed or all embracing as somebody like Robert Osborne. Um, there's 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 some kind of smarmy hipster attitude that he brings yeah, to it. I agree. Yeah, it that is. Okay. Quite fit. Okay. Yeah. No, but I like that Dean well, gave it so much thought, though. I'm very flattered, but I mean... I well, mean, I, mean, I, I was just wanting to know, like, it, to see if your opinion matched mine, which was pretty much exactly what <laughs> what uh, Jamie just said, which was that he had kind of a smarminess to him. That, yeah, there uh, is just something... I just think... I just don't think he... I There's just something... When he talks... Sometimes when he talks about these films that we hold in higher view... I don't think he really cares about them. I don't. I, I certainly get that. I get that vibe at least. And, and I just—it's just something about. I just—I don't know. There's something about him that rubs me the wrong way. I'm sorry I brought it up. I'm sorry I got us off track. I'm, I'm curious. I love. I love. I love TCM though, and I love when oh, they have guest programmers awesome. and they and they sit yeah. with the guest programmers and they talk about the films. Yeah. I love that mm-hmm. that conversation happens on that channel. It's just, oh, Warren yeah. Baby. Yeah. Hosted, hosted an evening last night on TCM. I mean, nice. he didn't host it. Ben Mankiewicz was actually doing a Q&A with Warren Beatty before they played two of his movies. Um, but, uh, yeah, God bless TCM. It is it is oh, no, a, light, a light in the dark woods. It really is. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. So another Twilight Time release would be The Bullet Train. This is a Japanese film, which... Sonny um, Shima! 
Yeah, yep, Sonny Chiba. I know this and, uh, movie. Yes, I this do. This is the one where uh, – tell me if this plot sounds familiar, that uh, it's a uh, a bullet train. If this if it goes below 80 kilometers an hour, it will explode because it has a bomb on board. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like speed because they took the same plot and reworked it ten years later or nine years later. Yeah, totally. But, uh, but Sonny Sheba is so much cooler than Keanu Reeves. Um, but that's just yeah. – cool. Yeah, but it's good. It's actually pretty good. I've never seen it, and they spend more time in this film uh, actually going after the bomber than they do concentrating on the bomb on the uh, the train. So that's what yeah. makes Speed a little different, you know. But uh, it's it's recommended. Uh, I wasn't really all that familiar with it until I got the review copy, and I, I got to say it's it's worth worth checking out. Um, also, the Driller Killer from 1978, Ooh. Arrow Video has. Seem fit to put that one out in a regular edition and a limited edition steel book. So, oh, good. <laughs> going going out on that. How about Keys of the Kingdom? Another Twilight Time uh, release. This is uh, Gregory Peck's first Oscar nomination. And uh, speaking of Joseph L. Mankiewicz, he wrote this one uh, based on A.J. Cronin's novel about a Scottish missionary's life in China. And uh, it's it's a pretty good performance. Uh, you know, it's kind of typical of it was made in 1947. Kind of typical of films of that period. But uh, the performances are, are especially Gregory Peck's is really good. And um, so Kino has issued the 1944 version of The Lodger, which was originally directed by Hitchcock, of course. And uh, this is the remake from from 44. And there's also the 1976. 1975 documentary The Man Who Skied Down Everest has been issued by the film detective and uh, here's one, let's see if you guys remember this one uh, from 1985 Tommy Lee Jones is made for HBO film called The Park Is Mine yeah I remember that so Kino put that one out as well as The Stewardesses in 3D Uh, that was from from 1969 (laughs) Does it, come, wait, does it come in 3D? It does. It absolutely does, yes. I, I and uh, Paramount... And so been... will you! <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Paramount... Uh, Paramount the complete Twilight Zone uh, on Blu-ray, the, uh, the whole series. So you can get it all in one big box set. Um, so... Have that. Uh, to also, which, a, uh, you know, you know, you know, there's like an seventeen-year-old listener out there that was like, that just went, "Oh, cool! The complete Twilight on Blu-ray. That'll be awesome." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, so, um, Black Christmas. Speaking of Bob Clark, who directed Porky's, uh, well, uh, Shout Factory, Scream Factory, they issued uh, Black Christmas Collector's Edition with a brand new transfer. Um, as well as Dreamscape from 1984. Yeah. Ah, okay. Uh, directed by Joseph Rubin, of course, uh, who also later made The Stepfather. And this is the one with um, Kate Capshaw, I believe, is in this, and Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. Uh, Eddie Albert. <laughs> Eddie Albert. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good, good movie. He must have, I think he was the villain in it, right? Uh, Eddie was the president. Uh, the he was the was president. The yeah, the villain was the guy from the Warriors. What's his name? I can't think of the actor. Uh, the one who goes, Eddie Albert. Uh, that is right. Eddie Albert is the president, and I would feel so much better if Eddie Albert or his ghost was being inaugurated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I, hell, I'd be happy uh, with I'd be happy with Pat Buttram as the president. I'd be happy with the <laughs> yeah. big green acres. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'd be I I'd, I'd be happy with Fat Albert. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I remember Paul raving. Fat Albert, her president. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'd be happier with Bill Cosby. I mean, if we could all just go to sleep for four years. Um, <laughs> give everybody just a giant pill. But the um, uh, Dreamscape, I remember Pauline Kael's rave review of Dreamscape. I remember that movie. It, 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 that movie really was an HBO staple back in the day. Dreamscape. Yeah, it was. It was. Pretty effective, though. I thought it was. So, uh, the 1931 film Bad Girl has been issued by Kino. This is directed by Frank Borzage and James Dunn, Sa- Sally uh, Eilers, Minnie Gomble. Um, also, um, we have the 1997 Jack Frost, but I'm not talking about the Michael Keaton one. I'm talking about the horror film. But... <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's oh, that's too bad. That's a be- that's that's actually much better than the uh, Michael Keaton movie. It is, it really actually, is. yeah. It really is. You know what? I I think that Michael Keaton, uh, Jack Frost, uh, you know, I don't like go out and try and watch bad movies very often, but I think I'm going to make that my next bad movie, like my (laughs) next intentional bad movie watch. That's going to be on your top ten next week. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, Dean, Dean, here's, here's, here's a sample line from... Here's a sample conversation because it's about a kid that doesn't get along with his father, and then his father dies, and gets reincarnated as a snowman and uh, picks right. up a relationship with his son. So here's a sample <laughs> cover. Here's a sample conversation for the film between son and father. You the man, Dad? No, I'm the snowman. <laughs> oh my God! Is that really a line from I the am, movie? Yes, yes, it is. Oh, God. oh boy! Well, how about uh, uh, Creep Show? Creep Show Two from 1987. Uh, this oh is God! Arrow Video. Yeah, they issued this in the steel book as well, a limited edition. Are they, are with, people uh, really feel the need for this? Thanks for the thanks for the ride, lady. Oh God! I, I think it has its fans. <laughs> believe it or not. No, I know. I know it has its fans. I I I I remember watching this at a party yeah. one night. And when it first came out, I was just like, this movie really sucks. I mean, it just sucks. I'm sorry. (laughs) I got to look up who's in it. Yeah, you got to kind of movie where the girl took off her top uh, and put it back on. Is it... Isn't Ted Danson in it in the second one, or is that the first one? No, that's the first one. That's the first one. George Kennedy's in the... Second one, George Kennedy. George Kennedy. The cigar store Indian in. The cigar store Indian thing, right? Right. Yeah, there is a great line from it because, uh, and I can't think of the actor, but it's it's the guy who uh, who's who, who actually winds up murdering George Kennedy in that segment, and he's he's got this long hair, and he says, "This hair is going to get me paid and laid." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the great line. From, I was, you know what's so sad about this, Adam? I was thinking yeah. about that 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 story a couple months ago it just popped in my head i was i don't yeah. know what i was thinking about and i was like oh my god i really i really do wish i was doing heroin right now um is <laughs> that because yeah. i was watching a creep show and i forget which one it was i know the first one had the cockroaches and everything but there was a yeah, vignette, great one. uh I, I think in the second one with they're like in a in a lake 
and there is an that's oil the one. link yep, or yes, something. Yes. That's okay. the one. Yeah, right. that's the one. You got it. Yep, that's it. So anyway, uh, well, speaking of bad sequels and such, how about Dracula versus Frankenstein from 1971? <laughs> the Al Adamson thing? That's the one. <laughs> oh, boy. J. Carroll Nash. That's the one. Yeah, this was when the the, the those uh, classic horror film actors, this was like one of the last films for most of those. I think Long Chaney Jr.'s in it, too, and... Oh, uh, it's a low point for all. Is of John them. Carradine in it? He's in it I think too. So. Isn't he? I believe so. Yeah, it's pretty bad. But a company. It's really a, it's it's unwatchable. Yeah, it's <laughs> most movies by Al Adamson were unwatchable. I think. <laughs> and he was the one that was eventually he was the one that was eventually murdered, and they found him right? like buried buried in the cement that that made up his uh, his under his house pool yeah his basement. Okay, yep. under the, in the basement. Okay. Yeah, in the basement. All right. That was weird. Very weird. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, eight crazy nights from Sony, and uh, they're also issuing Little Women, uh, the 1994 Little Women. So, quite quite a diverse uh, pair. There, <laughs> so wait, wait, we got eight crazy nights and Little Women. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, I love that version of Little Women, by the way. That's a great. No, it's a good. It's a good. No, it's it a good is. Movie, but it how is. How do we get eight crazy nights and Little Women in the same? <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. Sony uh, just decided to issue both of them, and so they just. No one knows anything in Hollywood. William right. Goldman is so right. Yeah. So um, anyway, but yeah, those were the uh, those those were the ones that uh, that. That Sony opted to issue for December. You know, I told you guys I think that they were going through their uh, their catalog, and they're doing some of these um, Blu-rays that are um, that are uh, made to order. I believe we talked about that. Right. So, yeah. That's. Um, are they are they coming out with made to order? Be with Ali TV. I mean, come on. Let's, don't don't yes. don't keep us in suspense, Adam. Well, if if they own the rights, uh, probably so. But um, anyway, um, yeah. And then there's uh, Hellraiser, the uh, the Scarlet mm-hmm. uh, Box Limited Edition trilogy. So uh, yeah, there's that. No thanks. So uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's there's that. And um, I believe this is. Pretty much going to wrap it up. I'm I'm seeing here it's saying uh, to live and die in L.A. The collector's edition was issued, but it seems like that might have been earlier. But it's coming up for December 18th through the 24th, so maybe maybe they moved up the date on that. So uh, did you watch that to live and die in L.A.? Did you watch the transfer and the? No, I haven't. I I didn't get one of those actually. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't opt to send me one of those. But I I hear good things, I'd be and I'm sure it's that. good. Yeah, I have, I have a question. I have a question. And, uh, yeah. yeah. No, no, I have a question because uh, now is because we were watching. I I watched the the by Sidney Lamette documentary last night. Um, is right. there been a? Well, did we not on this show talk about a recent Blu-ray edition of Prince of the City? Uh, no, it's it's not been made available yet on Blu-ray, uh, unfortunately. Okay, because I, I haven't seen – it's been a long time since I've seen that. They had that little interview with Pete Williams at the very end, as, and, and I really would I, – I, I just been meaning to watch that again, and I just thought there might be a Blu-ray edition out of it, maybe. Um, 
I wish. I wish. I'd, well, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love for them to put that out, and I'm, I'm thinking Warner Archive will probably do that eventually because they own the rights to it, and they 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 do a pretty good job, generally speaking, with that stuff because they've got uh, Wait Until Dark is coming out in, uh, this month. Oh so wow! Okay. They've got yeah. So they, well, they're, uh, they're uh, on their they're on their I game. Mean, Tree, Tree Williams. Tree Williams was on our show a couple of months ago to talk about Prince of the City for the yeah, 40th no, no, and I mean, 30th anniversary. You know, I, I know, but is there a, is there a blue is there a, bl- a new Blu-ray though? I guess is what I'm. Not yeah. yet, not no no announcement yet. But I'll uh, okay. if I hear of anything, I'll be excited. Trust me. I, and you know, Warner Brothers uh, has been issuing some has been licensing some of their product to um, to Criterion. You know, that's how they wound up with McCabe and Mrs. Miller. So. They could possibly send that over to Criterion, and I, I could see them doing something with that because um, they've sent over uh, – they've licensed out being there, you know, the uh, Hal Ashby film. Yeah, yeah. That, uh, uh, and, uh, yeah, and they're doing that in March, so uh, which I'm totally excited about. Um, I can't wait for that one. But That's, That movie um, was supposed to make Treat Williams a star, you know, as we talked about on the show yeah. and obviously the interview and everything. But I, I just like I, I just I, I don't know why I just thought there might have been that we had one time talked about it, but you know I was just we have angry. talked about it recently, but I don't I don't I, and it might have even been on one of these shows, but I think we went off on a tangent yeah. about it. Well, 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 if I was on the show, we definitely went off on a tangent yeah. about it. But I mean, <laughs> you know, but um, um, but you know, no, because it, it, it was I just I'll never forget when that movie came out and it was supposed to make him a huge star and it never did and uh, um yeah. That's just. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for. He was the kind of. He was the kind of actor that. Uh, people said that a couple of times about Treat Williams. Yeah. But if you think yeah. about it, I mean, he had. Uh, he worked during that period of time, from the beginning of his career to like you know the mid '80s or whatever. I mean, you had Milos Forman, Sidney Lumet. He worked with Sergio Spielberg. Leone on Once Upon mm-hmm. Once yeah. a Time in America. Spiel, yeah. Spielberg. I mean, Jesus. Yep. I mean, he worked with great yep. great people early on. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, oh, one other title I did uh, fail to mention: Hitchcock Truffaut, that documentary that did uh, finally see light of day on Blu-ray. So, that's, oh wow, that's okay. the one I forgot. So, so light of uh, day. That, didn't... that needs to be on Blu-ray. I'm yeah. glad you mentioned that, Adam. I, I'd love to see that movie again <laughs> on Blu-ray. <laughs> well, Paul uh, isn't that a Paul? Paul Schrader. Yeah. Well, doggy. Dog Eat Dog did get released, so if you want some Paul Schrader. <laughs> it's not the same thing. Right now. Not, it's on Netflix. 